Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 28, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 68. We are going to read the first paragraph for context and share on the second paragraph. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Elizabeth D. The Twelve Traditions, Lonnie P. And for readers of the text, we have Sally, Penny C., and Michelle H. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, May 27, 2014, is 6396. That is 6396. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Elizabeth D. to read the 12 steps. Elizabeth? The 12 steps of OA. We had, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. And I will now ask Lonnie P. to read the 12 traditions. Lonnie? 
Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Lonnie P. from Florida. Twelve traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Lonnie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, on page 68. At the top of the page, we are going to read that first paragraph. We reviewed our fears thoroughly for context, and then we are going to focus our sharing on perhaps there is a better way. And I will now ask Sally to please get us started. Sally? Good morning, visionaries. It's Sally uh, Sally A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. 
we asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance... Sally, we lost you. If you could please press star one again, Sally. Yep, there you are. Thank you. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so, but we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him that he enable us to match calamity with serenity. And so a lot is obviously said here. And um, taking a look at the second paragraph, that does tie so beautifully with the um, the top paragraph. It's... Uh, showing us that our own self-reliance didn't work. That's what we were eating over for so many years, that we were not enough, as it says, but it didn't go far enough because we were just not enough. Ultimately, if we would have just turned to a greater source of power, a higher power, we would have had this ability to rely upon God. We would have had this opportunity to instead of trusting in our finite selves, to trust in infinite God. It says here, perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God, which, which reminds me of page 98, right in the middle of the page, that talks about trust God, clean house. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world. Sally? Sally, we've lost you for a second time. Okay, <laughs> I know. Thank you. We are in the world. I don't know why that's happening. I apologize. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. And that to me harps back to page 62 in the beginning of the chapter. The very bottom of the page, it says we have to have, we had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. And so, in a number of places, it talks about this. But this is what it reminds me of here. That we are in the world to play the role he assigns, much just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us, and humbly rely on him that he enable us to match calamity with serenity. And I just wanted to end by saying, bringing you to the bottom of page 420, a very powerful part of this uh, chapter on acceptance, because that's what's being spoken of here. As we rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity, accepting life on life's terms and leaving the results up to God. It says here at the bottom of 420, acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him tell me what to do, but rather I do whatever is in front of me to be done and I leave the results up to him. However it turns out, 
That's God's will for me. That's what it means to me to match calamity with serenity. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And who would like to comment on what was read? This is Larry. Larry this is Katie. Gunn. Okay, we'll have Larry and then Katie F. Larry. Good morning. <clears throat> Larry recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. So, you know, it says we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. And you know, it's <clears throat> you know, for me it's easy to begin depending uh, on our own best thinking when we lose heart you know, and expecting God to, to answer our prayers and, you know, trusting God when our, when our path in life grows muddy, you know, it grows murky. It's not an easy task. Um, I know it wasn't for me. It takes resolve and it takes uh, commitment. It takes courage. And, um, you know, the mud of, you know, weariness and, and busyness and hurt and all those things can, you know, can cause us to trip and even fall at times. And, you know, sometimes we wonder how we're even going to get up again. You know, but faith in, in our higher power um, can feel like a, a thread that, that threatens to break. And for me, you know, trusting in an infinite God of my understanding ensures that I stay on a very balanced pathway, re- regardless of how rocky that pathway may seem at the time. So in every thought and every subsequent action that I take today, I know that I'm either taking a step on the pathway towards disease or the pathway towards recovery. See, there's no, there's no other pathway for me. <laughs> I mean, to put another way, am I choosing infinite God or am I choosing my finite self? And so, for example, you know, I can choose connection to fellowship or isolation and misery. I can choose love, acceptance of others, or, or dripping judgment and rejection of others. And I choose abstinence in the face, face of life's challenges, or binging and, and oblivion, waking up this morning again and again the way I, you know, and if nothing changes, nothing changes. I can, I can choose uh, living these principles in all my affairs, <clears throat> no matter how I feel, because <clears throat> feelings change. Or I can choose looking for a softer landing than sit, that simply, you know, didn't exist for me. You know, I could choose working the steps in the face of fear or a lifetime, you know, membership in the debate society. That's where I used to spend my time, debating on why it works or why it doesn't work. So in short, you know, recovery or disease, that's my choice. And, and here's the profound uh, truism in my life that has never failed you know, that I found experientially. Each time I take a step towards the God of my understanding, no matter how small, in action, not just in thinking or words, God takes a giant leap towards me. Yet I'm not asking for God to prove he's worthy of my faith. You know, there's no panic button foxhole prayers. Those may come at times, but my prayers are, are every day. I don't feel foolish for believing in the God of my understanding anymore. I don't feel stupid or dumb. You know, this, this, this God of my understanding changed my life. 
So the prayer I started off with this morning, I'll say it now, is God, I, I pray that I can align my will with yours. That's the, you know, not, not, not God, you know, would you align your will with mine? That doesn't work. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And KF, go ahead. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. <clears throat> For we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. And so when these fears come up, which is what they're talking about here, that, um, you know, that we get fears and we, it's not just associated with um, the person we resent or, um, you know, the bad situations in our lives. We can have these fears, these things that, you know, wake us up at night. And, you know, my um, way of dealing with that, and it's not what I did, it's what I do. You know, each day I have to um, look at the things that are, you know, swirling around in my head and I ask God to show me his way and his will for me um, because my brain cannot comprehend. My, my brain doesn't know the future and my, my brain doesn't understand the past. Um, but I trust and rely on God today to help me to play the tape out, to play that fear out. You know, what is the worst thing that could happen? Okay, write that down. Okay, um, you know, I have a fear of my children's future. And then when I start to go down that, that um, path, I think, did my mother worry about my future when I was binging my brains out when I was in high school and then when I, you know, gained 50 pounds in college? I don't think she was. So why do I think that's my role today? Why do I think that I have to, to keep these roles that God did not assign to me? Yes, I'm their mother, but I'm not their God. And so I have to play out that role in everything um, that is going on that I am, am allowing to take up um, real estate in my head, you know, these fears that have no basis. You know, no one has asked me to solve these problems that I, you know, think are mine. You know, it can even be, you know, a fear at work. You know, is it really something I have to do something about today? If it is, then I can take action. If it's not, then I let it go. And it sounds so simple, but it's not always easy because I don't have the clarity every time if I don't take the steps of writing it down or, um, or calling someone and talking to them about it, I don't always have the clarity. If I just let it spin around and spin around and spin around in my head, it makes, you know, I think that it's a real fear, and I think that it's something, you know, that's really going to get me. But, um, you know, the reality is practically nothing that I fear ever really happens. Um, I stay in the here and now. I do the next right thing. And the sky doesn't fall. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And just a quick reminder to everyone, um, if you're not sharing, if you could please press star one, just hear some background noise. And um, I'm actually going to take a quick minute to share. I, I really love this, and I was really struck this morning that by this line, we are in the world to play the role he assigns. 
And if you could please press star one, thank you. Um, and, you know, what was my biggest fear? That I have no role, that I have no purpose, that everybody else has a purpose, there's finite resources, and Katie got a fight, right? Like that's the source of my fear, that there's not – that there's not enough. And what is it telling me? We trust. I have a firm belief in the reliability and ability. Hello? If you could please press star one. Thank you. We have a firm belief in the reliability and ability of God. Infinite. What is infinite? It's unlimited. It's endless. Just to the extent we do it as God thinks he would have us be, does he humbly? And what is humbly? It means God, I am, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an addict. I'm a compulsive overeater. Katie, we lost you. Katie G, Katie G, are you there? Did you Katie, we can hear you. Hi, can you hear me? I'm there sorry, I don't know what happened. Melanie, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, anyway, um, so what I was saying is, like, what does all of this mean? So I trust infinite God, this unlimited, endless supply. I have a firm belief in the reliability and strength of someone who's bigger than me in God. And how, what does that look like in my life today? Well, after doing the fear turnarounds, which is asking the questions first time I had the fear and what would God have me be, you know, today I have an image of, you know, if I have a fear of not being in control of the situation, what does God want me to be right now in the moment? How is he enabling me to match calamity with serenity? Well, today that looks like if I'm feeling irritable and restless inside because I'm afraid, I take a deep breath before I open my mouth. I try and connect with God before I get into my schemes and designs. And I, I've been promised that God's will is very simple for me. It's not those complex schemes and designs in which I'm trying to figure everything out. I think, you know, there's no chapter in the big book called Into Figuring It Out, right? It's all into action, into getting into that current moment, you know, and, and trusting and relying on God. And I can't fully do that until I thoroughly understand my problem, my selfishness, the manifestations of my selfishness, my resentment, my fear, my sex conduct. And then a day at a time, I practice surrendering to God, you know, and um, it is an amazing, amazing, rewarding process. And, and I see the results every day, slowly, not fast, but slowly, you know, as I as I imagine, okay, if I'm gonna, if I'm afraid that I'm gonna be rejected, can I take a deep breath and realize, like, God is my security? You know, my security doesn't come from whether somebody likes me or not. My security comes from, from being God's daughter today. And how am I demonstrating God being God's daughter today? And I apologize for the technical problems. With that, I pass, and I'd love to welcome the floor to hear more shares on this paragraph, please. Hi, Okay, I heard Kim, and I think I heard Kaya first. Ida. Alyssa. Okay, so I heard Kim, Kaya. This is Bella. Can I hear? Leia. So, yeah, Melissa. Okay. I got you, Melissa. Thank you. Okay, All right, thank so, you. Okay, so my lineup right now is Kim, Kaya, Melissa, Bella, and Leia. Did I miss anybody? It's Ida. I done. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Katie, oh, as it's a, not 
It's not Haya. It was Ida. Yep, I got that. Thanks okay. so much, Kim. I appreciate you letting me know. Was there anybody else? Rochelle. Sarah. Okay, I'm going to cap it at that. So my lineup is this. Kim, Ida, Melissa, um, excuse me, Kim, Ida, Melissa, Bella, Leah, Rochelle, and Sarah. Okay? And if I missed you, I apologize. I promise I'll come back. And we'll start off with Kim. Kim, thanks so much. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovery compulsive overeater. Okay, I'm a little overwhelmed by this paragraph because this really, we're, we're flipping that switch to freedom right now, you know, where it says perhaps there is a better way. That's because we're in the process, and it's, it's a very um, uncomfortable process that we're looking at ourselves this way. But I can tell you as someone who has walked through these steps, there is definitely a better way. There is no doubt in my mind because I have had the experience of God. I've had the experience of walking through these steps. And I'm getting emotional because it says we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. A different basis. What is the basis that I was on before? In step three, I learned that the basis I lived on is I trusted and relied, relied on self. I trusted and relied on my intellect. I trusted and relied on getting the right guy. I trusted and relied on having enough money. I just wanted to feel safe. And what I didn't realize is all the things that I trusted and relied on were the exact reasons I felt so unsafe. Why? Because money is finite. Getting that right guy is finite. You know, my, I am a finite human being. So I just wanted to look up, what does trust mean? Because these words, I want to trust, but really, what does that mean? So I looked it up in the dictionary. Trust is a reliance on the integrity, the surety, and the strength of a person or thing. Doesn't that sound wonderful? If I can trust in God, I can have reliance on an integrity, a surety, a strength. And what does it mean to rely on something? To depend confidently, to put trust in. Wouldn't it wonderful, be wonderful to feel depend confidently on something? But I don't have the ability to do this as I'm in the food. I don't have the ability to do this in abstinence only. What does that leave me with? That leaves me in that step three decision of when I'm restless and when I'm irritable and when I'm discontent. But if I can clear away these blockages, clear away my resentments, clear away my fears, clear away my sex conduct, if I'm willing to turn over my defects to God, good or bad, I don't know. My way has not worked, so I am not, no longer going to say if something's good or bad. And if I can get rid of the guilt, that remorse of the way that I've acted in this world up to this point, I'm going to have an open connection with this higher power. And that's going to be the different basis I'm going to live now. I'm going to live on a basis where God's will is my will. I'm going to align myself with God's will because I understand that my trust and my reliance on me has failed me utterly. This is so overwhelming to me today because in this paragraph, as we walk through this process, I am learning how to be free. And we just need to ask ourselves that wonderful question, how free do we want to be? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Ida, would you please go ahead? Hi, Ida. this is Ida. Oh. Hi. Good morning. Hi, this is Ida. Um, 
from uh, Recovering Compulsive Reader from Pennsylvania. Um, when I was reading this, I thought about how um, when I was in the food, I never recognized the fear. Um, can you still hear me? I can, yep. Okay. When I was in the fear, I ne- or in the food, I never recognized the fear. Um, I looked at it as being a normal part of life. But in this recovery process that I'm doing now, and especially with the turnarounds, where I'm recognizing that that part on me, of me that on the inside that's being anxious, um, I'm readily able and willing then to do a, a, an outline and get to the root and see where um, the fear and my control go hand in hand. And I'd like to reference uh, in the big book on the story again from Acceptance where um, Paulo is saying in the, on page 413 that if he could just control the external environment, the internal environment would then become comfortable. Much of his time was spent writing letters, notes, orders, and list of things for Max, who was his office nurse, to do to keep the world running while he was locked up. And then at the end of that paragraph, he says, and life keeps getting simpler and easier as we try to reverse my old idea by taking care of the internal environment via the 12 steps and letting the external environment take care of itself. And what I see now is how closely my fear and my trying to control my outer environment go hand in hand. And I immediately can recognize now when the internal environment is at odds and do a turnaround and then turn the situation back over, recognize the lies that I'm believing, but turn the situation back over again to trusting God, humbly relying upon Him, and then I have a calamity or a serenity that matches my calamity. So thanks for listening. This is Ida. Bye. Thank you, Ida. And Melissa, you're up. This is Melissa from New York. And, um, you know, when I first got the idea or, or heard the idea that fear was um, like a defect, um, I felt angry at that. How how could that be something wrong with me? You know, I'm this great victim, and, I, you know, my, me, my poor me, my poor Melissa, uh, you know, shouldn't I be afraid? You know, don't I deserve that? And um, But, um, you know, that really is um, being God. You know, if I am um, holding on to fear, it's because I believe that I can control something that I that I can't. It's really God to control. And, um, you know, it, it makes me think, not that I want to compare myself to a dog, but it kind of makes me think about when I've had a puppy in the past who thought that um, they were in control and, and how um, unruly that puppy was. And in reality, it was, too much responsibility for a puppy to think that he can control the house. And so when, you know, when we bring the puppy un- under our control, you know, then, then it's um, compliant. And then life is good for that, for that dog and for everybody. And um, I'm kind of thinking about myself as that puppy. And, um, 
you know, when I think that I have ultimate control, um, of course I'm frightened because it's too much for me. And to have recovery, everything has to change. And that's my big real, you know, reality that I'm getting right now is that if I want to change, then I have to change. And, um, and that means letting go of my fear as well and handing it over to my higher power um, so that I can live in the sunlight of the spirit. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And Bella, please go ahead. Good morning, you said Bella. I did, Bella. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Wow, I love this paragraph. It's such an empowering paragraph. For we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. Yes, what is the basis? It's my belief. Before program, I believe in my own power, in my own self. I wanted so much to trust myself, and it never happened. I always did mistakes one after the other. I was very disappointed in myself. I was very disappointed at the world. I was disappointed because I couldn't trust. I didn't know what means to trust. I wanted so much. It should be perfect. I was running for perfect. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted my, the people around me should be perfect. I wanted the world should be perfect. And this is the way I was acting because this is what I was believing. And I was miserable, unhappy, disappointed, blaming and judging. And now, thank God, I have a different, a different basis. Yes, I believe in, in a different way so I can act differently. Thank God, thank God I am connected to God and it's such a freedom. I am, I am not wasting my knowledge, my time, my energy of something that it will never be. I am not running for perfect because God doesn't want me to be perfect. Now that I can say that I can say I accept and admit that I am powerless, it's such a freedom because suddenly I can trust myself because God trusts me. Yes, God trusts me. And for me the power of God is the power of love accepting and and this is the way now I, I behave. I know that I can rely on God. God is the power of love, of accepting. And suddenly I got, like I can breathe. I have air to breathe. I have freedom. You know, I accept myself. It's okay. I am not perfect. I am not looking for perfect. I am looking for pro- for progress. And it's I, suddenly I got the power to choose. Yes, I have the power to choose to do the right choice 
one day at a time. I am not looking for, perf for perfect. I, my goal is to look for progress one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Leah, you're up. Thanks so much, Katie G, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. Uh, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Certainly this was written um, by men and women who had recovered. They had you know, trudged this road. Um, this was being written, um, you know, from their voice and their experience, their collective experience. You know, they had recovered, and this was their new basis. And, um, you know, personally, uh, my transformation um, has been a profound experience that began in 1987 and continues to evolve. And I get an opportunity to continue to practice that new basis of my reality, you know, to trust and rely on my higher power. And I made that decision, you know, of course, in those early steps, and the rest of the steps um, allow me to apply this and to press into these steps. And no matter what is going on in my life, I get to act <laughs> as if this is true, you know, that, that there is this all-powerful, all-caring, all-present God who knows my name, who knows what I am, who knows what my needs are, and holds me in the palm of his hand. And um, certainly, as I look back over two decades of my life, you know, it talks about enables us to match calamity with serenity. I mean, I look at over two decades here in pressing into these steps and, you know, calamity means disaster or tragedy or something that causes great loss and pain. And certainly I've had those experiences, you know, I've, I've sat across the desk from a physician who uh, gave my husband a life threatening uh, diagnosis of cancer. And I've been in uh, the emergency room delivering two babies four months early. I've been in those kind of situations. And where are those steps in those situations? <laughs> I mean, let's face it, life is a challenge for the moment we breathe our first breath until we take our last. We're faced with a myriad of challenges, physical challenges, emotional challenges, spiritual challenges, and sometimes calamities. And at every stage of my life, I uh, I have God gives me constantly uh, these unique experiences to use these challenges to develop um, my role. It says, you know, to the role he assigns. What is the role God has assigned me in this situation? God gives me the will and the strength and the freedom to choose what I'm going to do in those challenges. Am I going to uh, approach those challenges with courage and serenity? Am I going to lean into these steps and lean into that relationship that has been developed through the application of these steps? Or am I going to run away from these situations that seem too painful, too overwhelming to face? You know, that's a question we, each of us, has every day, no matter what is delivered to us in our lives. Am I going to view these challenges and sometimes these calamities 
as opportunities for change and for personal growth? Or am I going to feel out of control and overwhelmed by them? You know, the program of recovery allows me to embrace these challenges, numerous challenges that we all have, and transform them into opportunities for further growth and deepen my connection with God. Because pain is inevitable. Challenges are part of reality. You know, these calamities are going to come to each and every one of us. Pain is inevitable. That's reality. However, the suffering is optional, and the feeling of isolation is optional. You know, am I going to cleave to God in this moment? Am I going to try my best to attach to him in a relationship that has been made possible through these steps? And that's a question I get to ask myself every single day, no matter what is at, uh, you know, put at my feet every day to deal with. What is the role that God has assigned for me today? And can I bring the best of what he has given me to that role and that need at this moment? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And Rochelle, you're up. Good morning, everybody. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for your service. I'm just almost almost overwhelmed with all these wonderful things that I've heard before, and it's really not a lot for me to say because it not only has it mostly been said, but it's probably been said better. But I'll just say a little then. Um, I'm stuck on the word perhaps. What do you mean perhaps there's a better way? Of course there's a better way. There's, there's no doubt about it. So I I really am have a problem with that word. Um also, this is obviously this is step three. You know, this is an expounding of turning our will and our lives over to God as we understand Him, and it's said so beautifully. <clears throat> and um, I think of it as uh, two things. One is in the small situations where we would say to ourselves, "God cares if I have another candy bar. God cares. He's so busy, you know, with the seas and the oceans and big decisions." Well, yeah, yeah. Um, even the small moments in our kitchen where we're <clears throat> tempted to overeat or someone said something to us which was hurtful, God cares about that also because he loves each one of us. So that that having, let's, for example, if somebody says something mean and nasty to me and, I, and I, I'm, instead of answering them, let's say if I weren't in program, if I weren't in cover, recovered, I would probably go into my kitchen and go eat over it. But because... Because God has, I would like to say, given me defects of character because we're not born perfect, each of us has an opportunity to work on ourselves. Instead of seeing that as my being in control and saying, well, I have no choice, i got to go overeat, um, it's no. It's at that moment, because of program, that I can seize that moment and say, no, I don't have to overeat over that mean thing that someone said to me. I can just relax and step back and give it over to God. If I have to leave the room, leave the room, depending on where I'm holding in my recovery. Or I can just let God enter and either not respond, wait for what he wants me to answer, or answer the way God would have me answer. And that is so infinitely better than eating that chocolate bar and making a pig out of myself. you know. And, and those are opportunities to perfect myself. So God cares about us in the little moments also, not only the big decisions in the in the emergency room or whatever, but also the little things that could bother us on a daily basis. All we have to do is know there is a better way, that God loves and cares about each one of us, and all we have to do is relax, give it over, and recognize 
we're part of his creation. So all we have to do is work on ourselves and accept that this this is an opportunity tailor-made for me to better myself and to rely on him. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. And Sarah, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie G. Good morning, Vision for You, and good morning, the newcomers. My name is Sarah W. I'm from Iowa, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, so much has been said, and it's hard to follow it all, but um, I guess for me the biggest um, the biggest part of the, you know, I, I had the whole paragraph highlighted, and I don't usually do that with, so this is a really important part of the of the book to me. Um, and obviously it's all about step three, and I always think about the difficulty I've had with trusting in anybody, you know, the basic instinct of trust is something that we develop in the first two years of life. And for me, you know, I was an adopted child, and that went very deep with me, you know, the fact that I felt like, you know, I was I was living in an orphanage until I was eight months old, and I struggled with my parents for many years. But, you know, the reality of it is that, that the program has given me the ability to trust in a higher power, to find that higher power, to believe that that higher power is there for me, And all I need to do in the day when I feel afraid is breathe in God and breathe out Sarah. And there I am, and I know it's there for me. And I just wanted to, one of my very favorite parts of the book is um, acceptance was the answer. And I know other people have quoted it, but, you know, the thing that, that strikes me is that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. And... Um, you know, expectations have always gotten me in trouble because that's my lack of trust. My expectation is saying that I have to somehow control the outcome. And if I just really truly let go and surrender and say I know that my higher power is there with me through whatever I go through, you know, as, as was stated so beautifully by so many people, it's it's not only about the very, very difficult things, which we all do go through. But it it is about the simple things. And the last thing I wanted to say is that, you know, we're all looking for a purpose. And and we're all saying, you know, what is my purpose in life? And it, it says on page 98, we simply do not stop drinking as long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And I had to bring that up because, you know, so much of my life was based on dependency on other people. You know, you were like my mirror. You know, if you were happy with me, then I could be happy with me. And today I don't have to be that way. And the last thing I'll say is that fear is not only false evidence appearing appearing real, but it's face everything and recover. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, anybody want to share on this paragraph before we move on? This is Haya. This is Susan. Okay, okay we have Haya. Hello, this and... is Rafa. Okay, so Haya, Susan, and Raphael. Raphael. Yes, Hi, thank everybody. you. This is Haya, very grateful, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic. I live in Denver, Colorado. Um, oh, wow, I also, this makes me very emotional as well. Um, you know, trusting and relying upon God, that's the better way um, than living in fear. And um, 
you know, this is a this is a part of our inventory process is seeing um, you know, where I had been fearful and how what a evil and corroding thread it's been. Um, but what what it reminded me of is yesterday I was working with um a woman in the program taking helping taking her through the steps and we just started together and so we were looking at um the preface and the foreword and um it reminds me of a line in I believe it's the preface where it says I'm just opening my book here where it says um no it's not the preface it's the forward to the first edition um I can't see because I don't have my glasses on, but not, so I'm just going to paraphrase. Where it says, you know, besides, besides, we believe that this, that what we have to offer here has its advantages to all. That, um, that whether or not you're a compulsive eater, whether or not you're an alcoholic, the steps that are outlined in this book in very, very, very specific detail, as we can tell at this moment. <laughs> Um, that they have advantages. That there are advantages to this for everyone, um, not just. Um, oh, here it is. It says on. It's the forward to the first edition. It says we we think that our account, the you know, this book is gonna the stories in the book and description of the alcoholic. Um, that the account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic, right? So the people that aren't alcoholics can can understand where we're coming from. Most, many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living, it doesn't say our way of not eating, it says our way of living has its advantages for all. And that's what jumped out at me today. That's what it jogged my memory of today when we're reading about fear. That this process of trust and reliance upon God, that when fear pops up for me today as a woman, recovered woman living in step 10, step 11, and step 12, when I am in fear, I ask God to remove it. And then I can ask, you know, why do I have this fear? And say, wow, that's self-reliance and or human reliance, because I often rely on others. And um, I'm on a different basis. I can trust and rely upon God. God, please remove my fear. And how would you have me be? What would you have me be if I were relying on you, as opposed to relying on human power, as opposed to being in fear? And that has changed my life. Significantly, I uh, several months ago I had a, a node on my like kind of on my pelvis, and it was pretty scary when the doctor said, "Well, we need to do an ultrasound to rule out cancer," you know. And um, when I had those few days between getting that information from the doctor and going to the ultrasound and getting the results of the ultrasound, you know, I wasn't in fear. It was just more not knowing you know, so I can move forward. But I said, someone said to me, aren't you scared? And I said, I took the third step. I took the third step. And he said, God's in charge of my life today. And he's taking care of me. I'm not afraid. I just was on, you know, 
still kiss as they sing it. I just wanted to know so I can know which way I'm going to go, right? But fear, it wasn't fear. Because I trust and rely upon God. That was a spiritual experience for me. Another one. And uh, that's just one example of what this this program has to offer. Thanks for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Chaya. And Susan? Thanks so much for your service, Katie, and everyone for being here. It says that we're on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying on God, and that certainly is a different basis for me because the basis I've operated on was predicting outcomes and not taking action. And now I can take the action and leave the outcome to to how it how it plays out and you know each moment i have that choice and each moment i find myself sometimes choosing one fork in the road and sometimes choosing well i don't know it's one fork one one direction when i get to the fork and sometimes choosing the other and I feel so calmed as I read, we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. Because for me, the opposite of trusting is trying to control the heck out of the situation. But when I hear the word infinite next to God and finite next to myself, it just reminds me, not only has my have my attempts at control led me to a lot of pain, but they're based on my finite self. There's something, you know, the whole basis of wanting to control or wanting that illusion was that I felt so unsafe, that I felt that there wasn't this solid sense of security because I was only relying on this finite, very fallible being, me. But when I read the word infinite, it it just gives me a reason to want to just just turn it over. I find it very soothing, the sense of knowing that God is infinite. And the last thing I'll say is that it's 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 beautiful how the paragraph lets us know that if we do this, we're going to get some great results to the extent that we do it, because, again, we can't do it perfectly, but to the extent that we do, we're going to feel that serenity. And isn't that what I want? Isn't that what I imagine each of us want, that sense of inner peace to replace that sense of irritable discontent and inner turmoil that was there before? So uh, it gives me a lot of incentive to keep turning over to infinite God so that I can have less calamity and more serenity, and I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Stephen. And we'll have our final share of the hour this first hour with, is it Rachela? I may have pronounced your name wrong. Hello, yeah, this is Rachel calling you from Jerusalem. Can you hear me? I can, yes. Yes, Kathy, right? Am I pronouncing correctly? Yeah. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you so much for your service. And thank you, you know, everybody who is saying such wonderful, wonderful things. It's such a major 
a paragraph of such major importance, this thing with the fear. And uh, I, I don't even know where to start, but with the thing of trust, I already said it once and told them, it's almost like some some of us to some they, one extent or, or larger are lacking an almost like lacking an enzyme in the certain enzyme in your your digestive tract lacking that uh, enzyme of trust in the in the spiritual sense and I think that some of it is justified because only because of this finite self that we have which means that we are locked here in a little box of time and space and I don't have all the information. I, I just don't have all the information to go by in order to make the kind of decision that can only be made by the one above who has the whole picture. I'm just built that way because I can't have the whole picture. And God has such a good track record by me and I still find myself He's done such amazing things for me. I, I've made so many mistakes, and I didn't make ever a mistake large enough that he couldn't fix for me and bring good out of it. And still now, at age 73, I'm, uh, you know, thinking the assisted living, uh, this type of thing, looking into uh, what can I afford and what kind of places are there, and is this the best idea or not. And I don't know, but for the first time after this, almost five and a half years of, of abstinence and of working the program the way we are learning here on the Vision for You, that I'm not in a panic. I know that the role he assigned for me and what he has in mind for me is going to be the best. Maybe I'll be a bad lady. I don't know. But, but it's not very little of it is up to me. I will do whatever I can, but some of that tremendous sense of panic that it all depends on me has has um, has given way, and I'm very grateful for that for the program. You know, I, I remember having a dream that kept on repeating itself that I'm driving the car. Excuse me, I'm I was sorry. I, I, I will just finish the sentence. I have been dreaming that I'm driving a car, but I'm I'm in the back seat and I'm struggling to reach the pedals, and I no longer have that dream, and he's there for all of us, and thank you for being there for me, and I pass. Thank you so much, and thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Penny C., will you please read A Vision for You? Yes, good morning, and thank you, Katie. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. 
Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.